Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to drop a quick line and an update. I'm really excited to share that I am currently writing my dissertation. That's right. Your girl is almost up out of here. So I'm spending way more time writing than recording. And so I'm going to be sharing some oldies but goodies from the last four years of the podcast. Whether you're a new or longtime listener, I picked this episode because I know it will provide lots of value. I hope you enjoy. On with the show. Hey, y'all, it's Alante, and you're listening to Black and in Grad School, the podcast that helps women and people of color like you excel in this journey. If you're listening, I believe you are an aspiring or current scholar who wants to successfully navigate this process by sharing my experience while pursuing my PhD and interviewing other black graduate students or early career professionals. It is my hope that you can glean encouragement, advice and strategies that you can apply to your journey. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much, Alante, for that wonderful introduction for having me this evening. I'm so excited for this. And I'm excited to be talking about one of my favorite topics, which is writing. So if you don't know who I am at all, um, I currently, yes, I work at Maryland um, as a postdoc. And I also have a business where I work with doctoral students to finish their dissertations. And so people usually come to me because they're like, listen, this writing, I can't do this. And there's a lot of feelings and emotions around that because you feel like if you made it through all of this schooling and you get to the dissertation, why is a dissertation taking you out? And people often think it's because, well, I just need help in my writing or I need help um, making a plan or an outline. And a lot of what I do and a lot of what I'm working with with clients goes way beyond the writing process. And that is what I'm going to get into a little bit today. Now I'm interactive. I need all the love in the chat. I'm going to say some things. I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to say you respond in the chat box too. Also, if at any point um, I say something that hits you mm, right here, just put a yes in the chat box. Just let me know. I'm not over here by myself, okay? Because um, I understand that a lot of you right, are preparing to go into a graduate program. And I know some of you are in programs. So I'm going to say some things. That's probably going we going to get deep. But just know it's out of love. It is because I really do mean that you can do this graduate process with your joy and peace intact. You can have joy in graduate school despite everybody and like you know a lot of the people in the academy will tell you that you cannot. You have to choose between the two. I don't believe you have to. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay so today here are the three main things we're going to talk about. The number one pitfall that causes 90% of writing challenges and I'm sure it's not what you think it is. The one thought that will trap you every single time. So be on the lookout for that. And then the three must-haves you um, you need or you want to maintain writing motivation, right? So the first question I have for you all is, 
why will you finish your grad program? Because I know that y'all are in different types of programs, you have different stages. Like, what's the why that's in your core? Like, I want to know that deep why. I don't want. I don't want that cute why that you give on interviews. I want the real why, right? So if it's because I want to have the letters at the end of my name, say that so you can be that person on the emails. Like, um, excuse me, did you not see that I have this these credentials? Right. If it's because you want to speak and be consulting doing that, cool. You want to be academic famous? That's good too. I really do want to know your why. No shame here. You don't have to be deep. While I do that, I will keep going. So I want to tell you a little bit of story about me. Right. I want to demystify. So a lot of my intention when I'm working with folks and when I'm doing these type of workshops is that I want to demystify the process as much as possible. And I want to tell you the real stuff that people don't tell you. I don't want to tell you a dream that like grad school is going to be like, oh, rainbows and butterflies all the time, because then you get bamboozled, you get in, you like, nobody told me. So I want, I want to share my story of my first year in my doctoral program. So I get in the College Student Affairs Administration PhD program at the University of Georgia in 2013. And as a first gen student, I was like, I'm so excited. This is gonna be amazing. Like, I didn't even think I would like for real make it through the first degree, undergrad degree, but to get all the way like through a master's and now I'm gonna do um, a PhD. Like I was like, I made it. Um, I was in Georgia, I'm originally from Chicago. And so I was a long way from home, but I was like, you know what? It's going to be three cute years. We're going to be fine. It's going to be fine, right? Um, and I was excited about finally being able to go to a large research institution because most of my experience up to this was, um, I did my undergrad at Elmhurst College. If you know, it's a small liberal arts private institution right outside of Chicago. I did my master's work at Illinois State University. So those are two different institutions from the University of Georgia. It's the South, it's the SEC. I was like, football season, this is going to be amazing. And the first day of class, I was like, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know, I don't know how to get on this bus. I, I acted like I never lived in a big city. I couldn't, I, I was lost. It was just a lie. I felt like a, like a first year student all over again. But whatever, I was like, it's cool, it's gonna be cool, it's gonna be cool. And so many of you probably, um, the first day of school has always been like my holiday, like my favorite holiday of the year, ever since I started preschool. And so before even going into my first day of classes at UGA, I had all the things, I was like, I picked out my outfit, right? So I had all the things I was ready. I was like, I'm gonna be a serious student because it's a PhD, like we can't play around like we did in undergrad and master's, like we gotta take this seriously, right? I had all the pep talks. And this was like a, like a general, like a typical day in the life of what my schedule looked like that first year, because I know that's one of the questions that folks have, but people are like, there's no typical day. I kind of had a typical day, right? So I woke up, right? Because I was taking it seriously. I was like, I'm going to do all the things that the people tell you to do. I'm going to do it. So I'm going to wake up at six o'clock. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to do my morning routine, do some journaling, do some yoga. I even like, um, I took some loan money, I did, and hired a trainer, because I was taking this here, I was investing in myself, <laughs> and I would go work out in the morning, and do all of that, and then go to um, my assistantship from like nine to one, because it's a 13-hour assistantship, so that's, this is what my schedule, I was, um, a I was help coordinating um, the EBD program during its first year, and so a lot of my task, if anyone is interested with like 
I was proofreading emails or making PowerPoints from a faculty notes or making copies. Like the work isn't glamorous, but it gives you a paycheck. Um, I think a lot of times people think you're going to a graduate assistantship and it's going to be life changing. No, they're going to have you making copies, sending emails and like transcribing notes or something like that. So I would do that in the morning, come back for lunch. And then, yes, you see that it says three to 10. I would go to coffee shop, two story. If you are familiar with Athens for legit seven hours or more and sit there and I would read word to word from word to word, all of the readings. I would make all the notes, all the highlights. I had all the apps, right? Because I was taking this seriously, right? Because I wanted to be prepared for my assignments. And what happened was that there were a series of like four to six page paper, like assignments for classes. And I would get to the writing part and be like, wait a minute. I don't, I mean, I read all this stuff, but I still feel like I don't know enough to write. Let me go look at my notes because maybe I missed something. And I just had for real writer's block. It was as if like I didn't do any reading or anything. And I just got really in my head. So then my strategy became, you know what I'm going to take quotes from my notes. I'm going to put it in this paper. I'm going to reword them. Listen, y'all don't do this. Okay. I'm going to reword them. I'm going to put an introduction, like a sentence and a conclusion. And I'm going to give it to the writing center. Somebody will tell me if I'm off. I would give it to the writing center. They would give it back with some few corrections, but not much. And then I would turn it in. When I say I got failing grade after failing grade, it was, it was a real thing. Um, and they'll tell you, people will tell you all the time, especially like in grad school, like nobody cares about grades. They do, especially when you're not getting passing ones. And I was so frustrated because I was like, what I'm doing everything that people told me to do all the best practices, I'm doing them, why is it not working? So I, one of the more senior faculty members in the program calls me to his office. Um, he was the coordinator at the time of the program and he sat me down and was like, your writing isn't that good. He said, in honesty, like you're, you're not a good student. And if I'm really, really being honest, I don't understand how you got in the program. I wanted to say, cause you let me in, cause you're the coordinator, but you know, I was, I was not that bold as a first year. By this point, I was crying. Um, and he just kept saying like, you just don't look interested in class. You just don't ever say anything. Like you just always on your laptop. You don't even seem like you even, you even care. And clearly you're not trying because you turned in this paper that looks like this. So essentially it was like, just get it together. So that meeting ended with me in the bathroom on the fourth floor of um, the Mary Frances early building, just crying. The next day I go to talk to my, um, my advisor who was the other most senior faculty person before I can even sit down in her chair to say hey how are you she's like you need to go to the writing center there was no hello there was nothing she's like you just need to go to the writing center and when I try to um when I try to explain to her like I've been submitting every paper to the writing center she cut me off and she was like no you're just an awful writer you need to just go figure figure this out and take it seriously so, of course, that did not motivate me to, like, try to figure something else out. I just got even more in my head, and I just, I just shut down. I mean, I still showed up, but, like, I didn't know what else to do because all of what I've known in my smart girl bag, I was using already, right? It wasn't working. And then at the end of the semester, when I 
did not have passing grades for two of the three classes. I got a nice letter from the graduate school that said, you have one semester to meet the standards um, of your program and of the graduate school or you'll be dismissed. I was on academic probation my first semester. And I just went home um, feeling really sad, like this ain't gonna work. My dad called me and was because it was winter break and he said, come home, come to Chicago. Just I'll, he ended up buying me like a $500 ticket because it was so close to Christmas because he heard how sad I was over the phone. And he was like, just come home. And my family, like they tried to understand, but they didn't, they were like, we don't get it. You've been in school for this long. Why are you struggling? Do you just need a better schedule? Do you need to just sit down and do your work? Like everyone's making an assumption that I wasn't working all the hours like I didn't take a break like that schedule that I showed you earlier was something I was doing on a daily basis even on the weekends the weekends were longer because there was no assistantship to go to so I would sit there reading it just wasn't it wasn't connecting and then I had a really good friend who was like I don't know what's happening he's like but I do know you can do this I still remember who you were um in high school and you told me that you're going to do this school thing all the way to the end um and you said no one and no and nothing was going to get in your way and so we were talking through that and he reconnected me to that passion i had and to my why and that was what i need i was hyped y'all like i went back to athens i was like um th this is what we're going to do <laughs> i don't care what i have to do but i'm gonna do it i still did the same actions but my mindset was different and that next I had all A's. All A's. I got so much like kudos for my writing. Now this is a whole other workshop, y'all. We can talk about more why that happened, like the difference between the type of who I had as faculty in the beginning and who I had as faculty in the second semester. Again, different topic, but just know that that has a big role in why I was able. It wasn't like magic and then that happened. But yes, that that turned things around for me um, that second semester and gave me a lot of motivation to keep going. I also switched my advisor, so that helped as well. And now I have the greatest of all times, dissertation chairs. That's what I call her, <laughs> Chris Linder. Okay, so tell me, what are your biggest writing challenges? I'm curious to know what some things that's coming up. Pretty sure most of y'all don't think about. One of the biggest things when I'm talking with clients or when I'm listening to them speak, it's the peopling and the politics that take you out, right? And people don't talk about it as much when you come into a program, no matter like what level it is. After the undergrad level, I feel like this is when this becomes very key is that you can do the coursework. So when I look back over that first semester, there wasn't necessarily anything we were reading that I didn't understand or I didn't see in my master's program because I also have the same degree in my master's. I mean, the, yeah, the same program in my master's, right? It was, I was introduced to this new world. I was in a new region of the country. It was my first time being introduced to middle-class folks. That might sound strange. There's a whole different way, like from my working class background, I was like, I'm from the west side of Chicago. I don't, what are y'all doing? Like, what are you talking? Why are you talking like that? Why are you using that tone? Like, it was just a lot of things that I did not understand that were happening, like a nuanced things um, that was taking me out. And when you get into a program, right, 
the number one thing that people like to do is like, oh, where's your assistantship? Oh, what's your research about? Oh, who's your advisor? Oh, are you going to that conference? And it happens over and over. And pretty soon, even if the people in your, are in your cohort and they feed you the story about you're supposed to be a family, what happens then is you start comparing. And you don't do it consciously. You're not really aware that it's happening, but it's happening in the background. You say, I got to be competitive, especially, especially if you've been told that you need to work two times harder just to be like even, right? So you hear all these people saying all these things that sound really good that they're doing. Side note, I do want to say that some of these people lying, okay? Some of these people making themselves sound good. They're not doing it. Or they just happen to be on a team, but they all they do is like, I don't know, sit there and look pretty. So I just wanted to put that out there. But yes, you start doing that, you start engaging in conversation. And anytime you're really talking to someone from your program, you're always talking about the things that you're doing or you're achieving or what you're working on. Like people are not really having conversations about their regular lives. So it makes sense then that this conversation is also constantly working in the background of your own mind. And when you go to sit down and write, that's what you think about. When I write this sentence, is it going to be as good as so-and-so? When I write and I talk about this topic, I know that this faculty, this is their, this is their area. They're the, they're the person, right, who writes about this. Am I going to be like that? Like, who am I to write about this topic? All of that starts to play. And I'm, I get that people talk about it as imposter syndrome. And I know there's a session on that coming up, right? But it's real. It's real, and it all comes from the people and the politics of the program. The number one thing, though, that you're saying to yourself that's taking you out every single time is, I don't know enough to write. I especially hear this. People, when they first come to me, they're usually working on their literature reviews, and they'll say, but I don't know enough. I need to read some more. But you've been reading, just like I was reading. I was reading day but you sit there and you go to open up that new document and you're like okay this paper right that's what I was repeating to myself over and over when I was go write those papers of like I mean I know I'm supposed to be talking about this topic but like I don't know enough and that sounds ridiculous because I have a whole master's degree in college student development how could I could have made up something right but that's how I know it's not about not knowing enough so you will feel like you need to keep reading. You'll feel like you need an outline. Like I just need an out. If I had an outline, I'd be able to write. If I had somebody who would give me a schedule, I could do it. I could follow it. You, like we tell ourselves all these things, but this takes us out every time. So what do you do? Here's what I will tell you. Protect your peace at all costs. I know this probably sounds a little woo-woo, foo-foo, whatever at first. Listen to me. Protect your peace at all costs. People will constantly try to comfort your peace out of their own insecurities or whatever. Imposter syndrome is real for everyone. Even the person, when you go into your class, that first class, and you have your first class discussion, and they're like, well, I read and so-and-so said, and like they're, they're in that tone. Other people are just better at having it. Okay. Watch who you consume the most. Uh, that means in real life, and that means virtual. 
I know. I'm getting beside myself, Angel. Listen, it's late, y'all. I probably should have did this earlier because the later it gets, the less filter I have. And I have a new puppy. And you know, like I'll have I'll have the energy like to you think it's cute the little like spend time with these people, whether they're virtual or not, the more you start to inhabit their mindset, the way they do things, the way they think, and pretty soon if you don't watch it, you'll be them. Now, if you want to be them. That's a whole different thing. But if it's someone that you're like, oh, that's just funny. I want to I wanna know who they're coming after next. Watch that energy. And then I want to really encourage you to move away from this hustle mentality, mentality into a high performer mentality. I'm going to talk about that. Right? So the three things that you need, and that's high performer means, let me pause. So a lot of times we just say like, it's the grind, it's the hustle. If I got to stay up all night, I'm going to do that. Like when I'm doing dissertation breakthrough sessions with folks, which are calls that happened before um, me and the person decided we would be a good fit to work with one another. One of the biggest things that I hear is that, oh, no problem. I'll stay up as long as you want me to. I'll do exactly what you say, even if it takes all night, even if I have to push my family to the side. That's hustle. That energy, you will burn out. There's no way to out-hustle yourself all the way to the top. When you get into grad school, it's a different game. Because at this point, you know information. Sure, you'll be introduced to some amazing um, information and literature. But like you have done the hustling to get to this point. Now this is about what type of performer do you want to be? Like I kind of think about a lot of times that you know, up to this point, I was playing in high school and did some college, let's just say basketball, college basketball. But now these are the pros. I got to show up differently. Like what got me here is not going to get me to the end of the program. So you have to ask yourself, like, how do you want to show up? How do you want to perform over the next two, three, four, five, six, seven, however long your program is? How, how do you want to perform? How do you want to fill in your body? What are you going to do so that you can show up and feel your best every day? And so three things that I want you to focus on, mindset, routines, and community. Right? So mindset, remind yourself regularly of why you are doing this and pay attention to how it evolves. So that's why I asked that question at the beginning about what is your why, what is the one in the core? Because you think about it when you first start the program, but as you go along the program, you start to forget it or it starts to change or you, you just, you don't think about it and then you start to lose motivation. Your motivation is clear, it's like so strongly connected to your why that if you lose sight of your why, you can just pretty much just forget about like pushing your way through unless you're just going to hustle yourself to burn out. And so that was happening to me in that first year, even that soon, I had forgot why I was even doing it. I just got so caught up in doing all the, the right steps that people told me to do that I forgot my why. I was going to put the second one in, in the community, but I think it's important for your mindset. Find you listen do not wait find you a therapist a counselor a coach all three if you need to and meet with them weekly i don't care if you're having the best time in your life i don't care if your program is the most like supportive program find you something even if it's like um 
like Talkspace or what's the other one, Better Health. Like even if it's just texting someone, you need to have someone to check in with every week because there's just things happening. You are changing as a person. Life will still happen even though you decided to go to graduate school. And knowing that you have someone who isn't a part of your day life who their only job is to sit there and listen, but the intention is to strive for these things. And I came up with this because people would say, oh, just take care of yourself, take care of yourself, because people assume that we would just know how to do that. And you're like, well, I should know how. Should you? At this stage, you may think like, I got that. So what I ask my clients to do every day is to take one hour a day for yourself, like one full hour for yourself, not to do the laundry, we're not, we not calling nobody that's going to drain our energy. We're only doing things or spending time with people who fill us back up, who give us life, right? The second thing, drink at least 64 ounces of water. I have my water. It's a nice time to go get you a glass of water. Water, you need it. It hydrates you. It makes you feel so much like better. Like, don't be like me, drinking like three, four monsters a day. I was like, what is water? And wonder why I was feeling like crap. Don't do that. <laughs> um, the third thing is to journal for at least 10 minutes a day. We have so much untapped knowledge and resources in our minds. And we've been socialized to think that that's not legitimate. It's not neutral. It's not objective. And so you've learned over time to quiet that voice. But you are making so many connections that you have no idea that you're making. And journaling has been shown to be a, a great tool for you uncovering that. So if I would have just like, I was journaling about like other stuff, but I wasn't journaling. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more, but I wasn't journaling about when it came to writing. For um, move at least 10 minutes a day. I know that might sound a little bit ridiculous, but listen, for the folks who get caught up in thesis and dissertating, right, and you start writing, you're like, I can't move. I can't drink nothing. I can't go to the bathroom. Don't call me. My phone is on. Do not disturb for 12 hours. I'm trying to write. And so just, just thinking like, okay, you just have to move for 10 minutes makes it, makes your brain go like, oh, I could do 10 minutes. I'll just walk around the house. Right. And usually when you do the 10 minutes, you end up doing more. But if you don't do more, at least you know that you did something for that day. And then number five is to complete your top three. Top three are three items that you're going to prioritize for the day. Each item should take you 20 minutes or less to do. The goal of this is to get you started because the hardest part a lot of times when it comes to coursework, writing, whatever, is to get started. But if you could tell your brain like, oh, it's just a little 20 minute task. We're just gonna pick up this book or another example could be like, oh, I'm just gonna write this one paragraph I'm going to read this one section or this one article, like having little tasks like that, that you can put at the top of your day and then start off your work time with gives you momentum. For me, motivation equals momentum. Motivation is a lie. All right. We're going to actually stop here with the episode because Dr. Marvette had so much information. And if you want to watch the entire session, you can go to my YouTube channel, which I've linked in the show notes. I hope this was helpful and I cannot wait to see you at the Grad School Success Summit this year.
Thanks again for listening to this episode of Black and in Grad School. For more content to help you on your grad school journey, check out blackandgradschool.com. That's B-L-K-I-N gradschool.com. Love this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Until next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.